You're listening to the winning literary show, Off the Shelf Books Talk Radio, live with host Denise Turney, author of the books Long Walk Up, Portia, Love More Over Me, Spiral, Love Has Many Faces, and Rosetta's Great Hope. Turn up your dial and get ready for a blast of feature author interviews, 411 on book festivals, writing conferences, and so much more. Ready? Let's go. Let's go. And so I'm going to start this uh, quote from Albert Einstein. We cannot solve problems with the kind of thinking we employed when we came up with them. Makes sense. But the way our minds work, so we got to practice awareness. We can do things that make absolutely no sense and think it does till we stop and really look at what we're doing. We cannot solve problems with the kind of thinking we employed when we came up with them. The same way you came up with the problems is not the same way you're going to solve it. And that's from Albert Einstein. I want to welcome you, welcome you, welcome you, and let you know that you are listening to the Winning Book Radio Podcast Show Off the Shelf. Welcome to our Saturday, January the 14th show, kicking off a brand new year. And we have a wonderful author on deck for you. I want to thank our loyal listeners. 17 years. We started on a real radio show. Rainbow Soul, run by Neil Blake out of, out of New York, where it was, but it went. the show was international. Then we came on to Blog Talk Radio. But to our loyal listeners, 17 years in, thank you, thank you, thank you. This is your first time tuning in to Off the Shelf. I want to welcome you to Off the Shelf. Before I introduce our guest, you guys, you know, real life offers deeper, more complex mysteries than movies and the best books. But that's not to say that books can't tell real-life mysteries in a powerful way. In fact, Escaping Toward Freedom is such a mystery and suspense book that pulls that off. Clarissa is a writer. She's vacationing in the North Georgia mountains, and she's trying to stir her creative juices, you guys, you women, to gain enough fervor to pen her next novel, which she hopes will turn out to be a New York Times and Essence bestseller like her last novel was, Her Money Is Not Looking Right. Her bank account's going down. She needs to come out with a bestseller so she can stay in her home, et cetera, et cetera. She isn't in the mountains two full days when she spots what looks like a girl hiding by her cabin. And she invites this girl into this cabin she's renting. And it changes her life forever. It changes her life forever. If you love a mystery... And a fast-paced mystery. Get your copy of Escaping Toward Freedom. It's an ebook, print, and hardback. If you don't see it on libraries, bookstore shelves, just ask the clerk to order a copy of Escaping Toward Freedom for you by Denise Turney. And let me know how you enjoy the book, A Real Fast-Paced Mystery. And now let us go and meet our very special off-the-shelf guest. And our off-the-shelf guest this morning is Cheryl Babb. Today's show is going to be a little different. Instead of an hour, we're going to do 30 minutes today. So hang on, you guys. We're going to cover a lot of ground in 30 minutes. So, again, our special guest this morning is Cheryl Bass. Cheryl holds a master's degree in social work, and she studied in child development. She uses these insights to inform her picture book writing. She is a member of the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators and Children's Book Insider, she has had personal essays published in Lost Souls, Found, Inspiring Stories about about Chiku, uh-oh, 
Chickawawas, Chickawawas, and Second Chance Dogs, True Stories of the Dogs We Rescue and the Dogs Who Rescue Us. She holds a master's in journalism and is currently working in public relations. she got two master's degrees. Go ahead, Cheryl. And her goal in creating Be Kind Publishing is to produce lighthearted rhyming stories with gentle themes of teamwork and friendship. She resides just outside of Chicago with her husband and two terriers. Please check Cheryl Bass out online, you guys, and her website is BeKindPublishing.com. So that B has a hyphen, so B-E-K-I-N-D-P-U-B-L-I-S-H-I-N-G.com. Spell the way it sounds, but with that hyphen, B-E-K-I-N-D-P-U-B-L-I-S-H-I-N-G.com. We are just honored to have Cheryl with us on Off the Shelf this morning. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Cheryl. Hi, thank you for having me. Uh, we, we're just so excited to have you. Looking forward to today's show. So uh, excited to see what you hear, what you share. The first two questions I'm going to ask you, I ask every guest, so that just to give our listeners a little backstory on the uh, guests before they we jump into the questions about their books. So to kick it off today's show, could you tell off-the-shelf listeners where you grew up and what life was like for you growing up? Um, I grew up in South Florida. So uh, life was great. Um, it never snowed or got cold. And um, Christmas time, there were a lot of decorations because everyone overcompensated because there was no snow. So, um, so it was a lo- lovely childhood. I had a great childhood myself. Okay, and then you went to Chicago. It's cold, cold as cold. Yes. When I was when I was in the Navy, I was stationed in Hawaii. You know, it was interesting when you said overcompensated. Mm. People went out for Christmas. They loved it, but they, you, it was just so big. And, I'm, I, again, probably because of, it wasn't cold and it wasn't snowy. Interesting. Right. When you were a little girl growing up in South Florida, Cheryl, what did you want to be when you grew up? What did you dream about becoming? I was going to be a psychologist. And I do have an, an undergrad degree in psychology and a master's in social work, but then I decided to um, go back to school and I got another degree in um, journalism. And then, and then I uh, started, I, I was a journalist and then I became a PR professional, which is what I do now. And then now I'm going to be writing books on the side. So what inspired, who or what inspired you to pursue writing and book publishing? Well, I've always really loved writing, and what happened was when I was a social worker, I noticed that my chart notes were getting very flowery and descriptive, and I wondered to myself, what was this about? Because no one's going to see those chart notes unless I'm audited. And I realized that I was helping other people be creative and pursue their dreams as a, as a caseworker, a case manager, but I was not really doing that for myself. So that's when I decided to go back to school for journalism and then use that to uh, go into PR. But I always um, loved writing, and I always did write. About 13 years ago, I sneezed. And it was a big sneeze, and I had this thought, a ridiculous thought, as I'm walking along and I sneezed, thinking what it's a good thing that I'm not a dragon because if I was a dragon, that would do a lot of damage. And so I had this idea in the back of my head, and I wrote Baby Dragon's Big Sneeze, which is a children's rhyming picture book. About 13 years ago, I wrote the first iteration of that. And um, since then, I've gotten it professionally edited and so on, and I tried to have it traditionally published, 
and that was not happening, so I, I made the decision to self-publish. And so Be Kind okay. Publishing is my own uh, publishing house that I created. Awesome for you, not letting nothing stop you. So you kind of led into my next question. Can you give us an overview of the book, Baby Dragon's Big Sneeze? Yes. So basically it's about a baby dragon who's flying around um, and uh, having fun, and, and one day he gets a cold. And when dragons sneeze, as you probably can imagine, they breathe fire. So he accidentally burns down a village, and all the people are very angry at him, and they want to attack him, but a brave little girl decides this doesn't make sense. Why would he be kind and fine with us, you know, and then all of a sudden decide to attack us? It doesn't make sense to me. So she um, decided to confront him and goes to his cave to ask him why he did this. And then um, and from there, she ends up basically saving the dragon, saving the town. Um, she becomes the hero of the story for not jumping to conclusions. So it has some good messages in there about giving others the benefit of the doubt. It also has messages of teamwork and sharing. So it has a lot of pro-social messages in there. Okay. So what what is Baby Dragon's personality like? And does the dragon have brothers and sisters, things that happen to the dragon? It can look at its siblings and say, oh, that seems normal. Or why? That doesn't happen to them. Why is that happening to me? And lastly, does... The dragon get into a lot of trouble. Um, the dragon initially, right. Well, the the dragon initially gets into a lot of trouble by burning down a whole village. But after that, they all work together to try and help the dragon get better. Um, and I don't want to tell you any more about that because I don't want to give give away the ending. He does not have siblings. He is born. He's hatched in a, from an egg in a cave alone. So he doesn't have parents to help him with his cold, and he doesn't have any siblings that he knows of. So it also has messages about found family, you know, that, that you, you can create your own sense of family with friends and, and loved ones that you develop in your life. So the town becomes his family. Yeah. Is this baby dragon-like carefree, fun, just a lighthearted dragon or more serious, the personality of the dragon? He's lighthearted at first, and then he's he's more serious as he's as he's sick. But but he ends up happy at the end. It does have a happy ending, and I will be doing this. Will be a series. I am going to be doing other stories with this baby dragon and the town that he is in. Awesome. What age group is the story Baby Dragon's Big Sneeze written for? Ages three to seven. Could be eight. Could go up to eight, but around three to seven. Okay. And, and, and Cheryl, what do you want readers to learn from reading the book? Well, for children, I want them to learn messages about sharing, caring, helping, uh, compassion, uh, helping those in need, not jumping to conclusions about others. Um, I made it rhyme because rhyming is, um, there's also some research about how rhyme helps young children with their vocabulary. It promotes reading skills. Um, especially with reluctant readers. It encourages re reluctant readers. Um, it helps children. Uh, it promotes creativity. It exposes kids to a sense of rhythm, teaches kids how to pronounce words. Um, 
So it's very good for children, and that's why nursery rhymes are such a big, um, a big thing. So, but when I was trying to get my book published with traditional publishing houses, some of them came back to me and said, we don't really like rhyme. So different things go oh. in and out of fashion in the publishing world. Yeah, so it's a shame that, that, that rhyme is not, in, I guess, in fashion right now. But I felt very strongly about keeping it a rhyming story, and that was one of the reasons I decided to self-publish the book. Interesting. I didn't know it was. That's interesting. I wonder when they know when they said. Wasn't it Dr. Seuss who used to do a lot of rhymes? Yep. I yep. His book did. Something must have happened then where they, uh, maybe they just decided to move away from it. I don't know if schools or. That's interesting. But but best best mm-hmm. wishes with Baby Dragon's Big Sneeze. Now, can you introduce you. our listeners to Lost Souls Found? Inspiring stories about Chihuahuas. What what is this uh, book about? Well, I wonder if I spelled it wrong, but it's about Chihuahuas. Um, Lost Lost Souls Found: Inspiring Stories About Chihuahuas. So my my book my my dog was a um, a Chihuahua. Uh, she pa- has since passed away. She lived to be sixteen. Um, but I and Second Chance Dogs: True Stories of the Dogs We Rescue and the Dogs Who Rescued Us. Both of those books have uh, several self uh several um short stories in them and it's the same short story that's in both of these books and it's about my experience being sort of a stage mom to a dog that i had um her name was lyric and she starred in the boulder dinner theaters production of the wizard of oz so she starred as toto in the wizard of oz and she did yeah she did seven shows a week of live uh dinner theater for five months, and um, she was the only cast member without an understudy. She got rave reviews from all of the local newspapers and so on. Um, so, so it was great, and I got paid forty dollars a show for every show she was wow. in. Wow! Um, so, and she got paid in prime rib because it was dinner theater, so they had that <laughs> for her. <laughs> oh my goodness! So, yeah, it was a fun experience. And actually, at the end of, the sh- of each show, I would bring a, um, an ink pad, and I would put her paw into the ink pad, and I had her sign potographs at the end of the show. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, so when you got you – re- this is a rescue dog, right? Yes, yes. A, mm-hmm. so, so she wasn't doing this until you got her, and then you saw this, this – um, Somebody was looking for a dog to play Toto, so then that's when. Yes. You... Oh wow! And so mm-hmm. she did it. How many years you said she did, she did this? Not years. Um, it was five months, seven shows a week. Wow, that's a lot. Did you have to mm-hmm. train her to do? Did she get need training to do this? Yes, I had to train her to answer to the name Toto as well as her own name, which is Lyric. Was Lyric? She passed away. But uh, yeah, she was she was so so brilliant. Um, the, in the rehearsal, the first rehearsal, how she clinched the role was um, when um, Dorothy sings "Somewhere Over the Rainbow." Um, she's actually singing it about um, a place where no one's going to put down her dog because this woman wants Mrs. Gulch wants to put down her dog for supposedly biting her which didn't happen, it's, she, made, she lied. And then so she, uh, Lyric as Toto, put her paw consolingly 
on to um, Dorothy um, as she was singing the song. So it was very sweet. So, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Now, what, what do you, when you say uh, second chance dogs, true stories of the dogs you rescued and dogs who rescue us, are there stories? Did you go out to other people and they're writing stories in the book about how they rescued a dog and, and doing so really changed their life? Well, my I had a short story. That was a short story in both of those anthologies. So I did not write either of those books. Um, I just wrote the one story it's called Working Like a Dog um, that's in both of those books. Oh, so okay, someone okay. else collected all the stories, and then my story is – But so um, Baby Dragon's Big Sneeze is my first full book that I've published myself. Okay, okay. How can animal lovers, thinking about rescuing dogs, and I've seen some, there was a city or a state that they, the pet stores can no longer sell like cats and yes. dogs. I guess because there's so mm-hmm. many in the shelters, there's so yes. many in the shelters that you, it's like we got to save these dogs in the shelters so they're not put down. How can animal lovers adopt pets who need a home? They might not think, you know, you just go to the pet store. When I was a kid, that's what you did. You went to the pet store. You didn't think about going to the pound or the shelter. How can animal lovers uh, adopt pets who need a home? Is there like an easy way for a person? And also, is there? Yeah. Well, let me ask you that first. How can they do that? And how easy or complicated? Um, well, right. There is. Um, there are two websites. One's called PetFinder.com, and the other one's called AdoptAPet, I believe.com. And you can go in those sites, they're nationwide, and you type in your zip code, and then it shows you all the animals, and you, you can even specify whether you want a boy or a girl animal, whether, what, whether you want a puppy or an adult dog, if there's a specific breed that you're interested in or breed type you're interested in. And then it shows you all the animals from shelters around you. And then you, um, you know, if you're interested in a particular dog, you, you uh, email them back or, 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 and then schedule a time to go visit. Um, but that way you can do all of your searching online before you go to a shelter. So you don't have to go to several different shelters and walk back and forth through all the cages and fall in love with everybody before you uh, make a decision. This way you can be more cool-headed about it and do it online before you walk into the shelter. Is there a way, Cheryl, for a person to know that they're ready to take care? Because is, it is work of a dog, a cat, mm-hmm. or another pet. Is there a way for them to know that this is a fit with me and the pet? Because it's not always a fit. And I'm ready to do this. Well, there are different uh, people have different lifestyles. So you have to try and find an animal that's going to fit your lifestyle. So definitely do your research. Go on Google. Type in, you know, best dog for, if you're a couch potato, best dog for couch potatoes or best dog for people who like to exercise, best dog for someone living in an apartment, you know, best dog for, if you're wanting a dog, best cat for this, best cat for that, um, or best animal. If you're looking, if, say you're allergic to dogs and cats, there might be another kind of animal that might be a fit for you. So, um, but they, they're trained at these shelters to ask you those kind of questions about, you know, do you have a fenced yard? Um, how many hours a week do you work? Um, are, are you away from the house? Is somebody home to let the animal out to, to go potty during the day? Um, you know, do you have the funds? Because it can cost $2,000 on average in a year 
um, you know, for for an animal that's not sick, for for a dog that's not sick, if you count their food and their, um, if they have to go to a, uh, you know, um, I don't know, if you have to put them in boarding or whatever. So all of that you have to be prepared for. Um, if you're okay with the idea that when you first adopt an animal, even if they're potty trained, they may be nervous in a new home, they may potty on your rug, are you going to be okay with that? Are you really house proud um, to the point where, you know, you would be more upset about your carpet than, than an animal who's sick and needs your help, you know. Um, yeah, so those are the things to think about. Very good points. And then, again, they, that's, that's a – again, some cities are moving away. Pet stores not sell them. So we can help these animals who really – they're in a pound or they're in a shelter, and if somebody don't pick them up soon. So uh, – What's the name of that website again that I want to start asking you about your publishing company? What's the name of that for um, pets again? Oh, for the pets, pets um, adoptedpet.com or petfinder.com. Okay, thank you, thank you for our listeners out sure. there who might want to get a pet. Now, do you plan, you said, you, to publish? You started Be Kind Publishing. You wanted to go out when you wrote the Big Baby Sneeze book. You wanted to go back uh, and uh well, I want to say the full title of the book, Baby Dragon's Big Sneeze. You wanted to, you wanted to go traditional. You, did, you didn't, so you self-published the book. So you started Be Kind Publishing. Do you mm-hmm. plan to publish other authors at Be Kind Publishing? And if so, what type of work or author are you looking to take on? Um, right now, Be Kind Publishing is just going to be a micro-publisher of my own stories. And I'm calling it Be Kind because I have some other stories that are in draft form. And the thing that they all have in common is they all have these pro-social values that they would teach children. So um, about, you know, and it comes sort of, it's sort of a riff on the figure of speech. It's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice. So um, it's all about kindness and, um, uh, you know, and, and those sorts of there's a term that is kind of thrown around now in education called social emotional learning. And so at this age group, it's teaching those types of um, soft skills that actually employers look for in adults, like being able to be a good team player, um, being able to share resources, um, those types of things, apologizing when you do something wrong, having accountability, all of those things are in this story, and you'll find them in, in my future stories as well. Okay. Now, you also, and you alluded to this earlier, Cheryl, you also work with uh, M-E-K-K-Y Media Relations. What type of work do you do for the, for the media firm? And did you start this? Is this a, is this a firm that you started? Um, it's not a firm that I started. Excuse me, Michelle Mecki is the president of Mecki Media Relations, and Mecki Media Relations is a PR agency. I work for, right now, several PR agencies. Um, Mecki deals with clients in all different industries. Um, There is a PR agency, though, that I work for called Claire McKinney PR that specializes in helping authors, actually. And Claire McKinney is the um, president and CEO of Claire Mc- of McKinney PR, Claire McKinney PR. And um, so they help traditionally published and self-published authors get their, their books, um, you know, put their name out there and help with their sales ultimately. Um, so so I, I work for that one as well. Now, how have you 
So you got this media relations background. You you've got to have these media contacts, relationships that you have with people in the media. How have you been able to use your media relations experience to get the word out about Baby Dragon's Big Sneeze? Well, I have databases that I use that are sort of proprietary databases that people in PR have access to and know how to use with information on reporters and their phone numbers and email addresses and so on. I wrote my own press release. I wrote my own um, pitch. I wrote my own talking points to discuss with various people, and I've I've garnered myself um, over 40 interviews so far. My book was published October 19th of 2022. And so I've had 40 interviews between podcasts and uh, radio and print and so on that I've garnered for myself. So that piece I'm very comfortable with. The piece that I'm not as strong on is the paid advertising piece. So I'm looking to others to help me with that. And I have a mentor, April Cox, and she has a company called Self-Publishing Made Simple. And she has been like my Yoda on the self-publishing journey. She has helped me every step of the way. She has vendors that she works with. So she helped me find my illustrator, actually. She had 12 illustrators. She showed me their websites. I picked my top four. And then she said, have them all draw the same scene from my book. So I had um, all four of them draw. I, I paid them each 50 bucks and had them draw in black and white the same scene. And then I was able to limit it to, down to two, my top two. And then I asked my friends and family members, I used them as a focus group, and I said, which dragon, whose dragon do you like the best? And so they, they picked Ramesh Ram, who's my um, illustrator, and I'm going to use him again for all of my future books. Awesome. You know what? Networking, networking, networking. I don't care what. Yeah. I mean, I've worked with major, major corporations outside of book publishing, and that's how they thrive. You network, you're mm-hmm. consistent, you know who to go to, you know who's door to knock on, you build those relationships, and, and it, networking is so, so, so huge. Now, when it comes to developing mm-hmm. stories, and you said you're going to turn Baby Dragon's Big Sneeze into a series, we got like four minutes left, but I wanted to ask you, what writing process, how do you go about creating the story? Do you use outline? Do you use sketches? How do you, how do you map out the development of the story? Usually, I have the whole story in my head, what's going to happen at least, the plot, in my head before I put pen to paper or, you know, type on the computer. So I have a general idea. Like with this one, I had an idea he burns down a village and then, you know, then this girl comes and tries to uh, mediate between the dragon and the town. Um, and I knew what was going to happen. And then I sat, sat down and, and came up with my first line. And usually once I have my first line, I'm off and running. And, um, and then I just try to rhyme it. I have rhyme zone open, you know, on my computer. And I have um, thesaurus, you know, dot com. I have both of those open and I toggle back and forth. And, um, and I write a draft. And then I also definitely use editors. Um, Bobby Hinman is an editor that is great at helping with rhyme and meter, for especially children's picture books, if you want one that rhymes, or even one that doesn't rhyme. Bobby Hinman is an award-winning children's book author and an editor herself. So she's one of the people that April Cox works with. Um, so she's an editor. Another editor that I've worked with is um, Laura, um, 
Bonchi, B-O-N-T-J-E. And she was helpful to me as well. She did something called the developmental edit. So she looked at my story and said, in my first draft, she said, well, where's the dragon's parents? Why aren't the parents helping him get well? Why is the town doing this? And then I had to come up with extra lines explaining, okay, he was born um, alone in this cave. He hatched from, from uh, you know, so it, she helped find holes in my story that I didn't even know existed. So definitely, even if you just have a 400-some-odd-word short picture book, definitely I would um, invest in an editor to make sure that the rhyme and meter is perfect if it's rhyming and to make sure there are no holes in the plot. Yeah, I highly, I highly uh, recommend working with an editor as well. Or you can work with a professional reader's critique group. Uh, mm-hmm. But something, you've got to get that feedback. You've got to get that feedback. Now, we, we've only we've got like less than two minutes. Are you on any social media networks? And if so, where can off-the-shelf listeners find you online? Okay, so on on um, Facebook, I'm, I'm at be hyphen kind space publishing is where I am on Facebook. That's my Facebook page, and then on Instagram, I'm at be dot kind dot publishing because for whatever reason they it wasn't allowing me. Maybe somebody else has it with a hyphen or a space or something, but I just did it with dots in between. And then my website, what, of course, is be. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you go ahead. I don't. Um, com is my website. And where can our listeners get copies of 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 your book? Where can our listeners so get copies? Yeah, Baby Dragon's Big Sneeze is in. Um, it's available on uh, Kindle, on in hardcover and in paperback, and it's available on Amazon. Um, Amazon in all different countries. So regardless of where people are listening from, so Amazon, the Barnes and Noble website, it's also on the Walmart website and the Target website. Oh, what a pleasure! What a pleasure! We have had the absolute pleasure of of having on here uh, today Cheryl Bass, and she is the author of of the of the book, and which we talked about her book uh, more in depth. It's a children's book story. For she said three to seven. But it, it could go up to three to eight, the the ages for the readers for the book. Baby Dragon's Big Sneeze, Baby Dragon's Big Sneeze by Cheryl Bass. Baby Dragon's Big Sneeze, you guys. It's in it's in Kindle. You can get it paperback. You can get an e-book. Again, Baby Dragon's Big Sneeze. She's looking to turn it into a series. Her website is b b e hyphen k i n d p u b l i s h i n g dot com. You got any? Kids in your life, any children you work with, grandkids, uh, nieces, nephews, children, uh, just a, just somebody in your life who's a child who would enjoy the story. And, and the messaging is a messaging of kindness, which we should definitely use more of. So remember, remember, Baby Dragon's Big Sneeze, Baby Dragon's Big Sneeze by Cheryl Bass. Thank you, Cheryl, for being here with us today. We really appreciate you taking time out of your day to be here on Off the Thank Shelf. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And to our listeners, as I always tell you, you are awesome. You're incredible. You are amazing. Keep that, that spark you had at the big start of the new year and keep moving forward for the good you want to see in your life this year. And I see you back here. Put put on your calendar 
Saturday, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, you are going to catch the Off the Shelf Books Podcast, where you can meet and learn about other amazing authors like Cheryl Bass. So you're back here next Saturday at 11 a.m. Go out and create a fabulous day for yourself today. Cheryl, I'll shoot you an email with a link to the show. Thank you so much. Great. Thank you. Take care. Bye.